can the fact that I am simply not perfect and maybe pretty far from it actually be an asset? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Talkless Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcast. We're up to the Torah portion of Shmos, actually the new book of Shmos, which opens up with the Parsha of Shmos. And in the portion of Shmos, we are introduced to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our leader. Initially, as the newborn baby Moshe, he grows in this Parsha. By the time we finish the Parsha, he has advanced eight decades. He is 80 years old when he comes back at God's directive to now begin the process of taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. But along the way, we have him being reared, uh, initially hidden in the basket, taken by the daughter of Paro, nursed by his mother, back in the palace of Paro, eventually having to run away. A lot of storyline about Moshe and much attention to just what made Moshe so, so great. The ultimate leader of the Jewish people, the only individual in all of world history to communicate with God in the manner and the degree that he does and to yield the Torah, to provide the Torah. There are many prophets following Moshe. There are some prior to Moshe, many following Moshe, but not a single other one was going to be given the opportunity, gifted with the charge to present mankind with Torah. Now, we'll have other books that are Torah books, the books of the prophets themselves and the oral laws that are going to follow. But to be able to say, this is a mitzvah for all times, a divine mitzvah for all times, that is uniquely the job of Moshe. What's going to be in the Torah by the time the writing of the Torah is done, the last day of his life, that's going to be the sum total of the 613 mitzvahs. No mitzvah can follow that that's going to be listed as a Torah mitzvah. No other prophet has the capacity to articulate as Moshe can, Zeh Devar Hashem. This is the word of God. Other prophets will say, Ko Amar Hashem, thus saith the Lord, because I guess all prophets speak Old English, but thus or like this, says God. But the difference between Ko Amar and Zeh Devar is that Ko is saying, this is just about exactly what God says, but it's not exactly what God says. Every other prophet is getting an image plus the tools of interpretation of the image and will properly articulate what the image is being given to say. But Moshe is actually the mouthpiece of God. And as such, he is the one to provide us with Torah. In addressing just what makes Moshe so great, how he stands head and shoulders above all other prophets for all times, much discussion, there is one alleged medrash, and we'll discuss why it's alleged and not actually truly a medrash, and even though we'll actually show why it itself ends up being false, but the scholars that bring this source, not realizing at the time they were not quoting an accurate medrash, are still revealing a significant message about how we view our own potential. The medrash is it's actually written, the way I discovered this medrash, a friend of mine had been uh, using some of the texts belonging to Rav Rudiman, the first Rosh Hashiva of near Yisrael, near Israel in Baltimore. I was blessed to be for many years and blessed to have slight association with him at the very end of his life. But Rav Rudiman had a text, the set of Mishnah, the full Mishnah with all the commentary. And the end of Kedushin, there's a commentary called Tiferes Yisrael. And in his volumes, it was blacked out with magic marker. 
And that drew my friend's attention. And he said, what's up with that? Rafferman explained the following. Under that black magic marker, there is a quote that there's a medrash that says that during the era of Moshe and Israel in the desert, following the Exodus, following our story in this week's Parsha, when we eventually get out, we're in the desert. The story has been raging, circulating the world about this nation, Israel, and their leader, Moses, and the plagues in Egypt, and the splitting of the sea, and all the miracles in the desert. And this person who is of such a unique spiritual caliber, he's the interface between the divine and man. And there was a king of a neighboring region that was eager to find out more about Moshe. So he sent a group of artists to the camp of Israel. I guess for some reason, the, the batteries weren't charged and then there were cameras. So he sent them to go and make a depiction of Moshe and bring the depiction back to be studied by the scholars of his society that were expert in analyzing human nature by looking at the face. They could look at a face and see the inner essence of a person, which, by the way, makes sense. We know that the Hebrew word for your face is your panim. The Hebrew word for your inside is your panim. Your panim shows your panim on a superficial level. Your emotions are expressed on your face. Your inner feelings, your stress, your comfort can generally be seen on your face, but on a more sophisticated level, one can look at the face and really read the person's inner essence. The artists went, found Moshe, make their depiction. They come back, bring the picture, show it to the scholars. King turns to the scholars, tell me what you see. They say, we see liar, cheater, corrupt. Whoa, wait a minute. Is that what you really see? That's what we really see. And they list off all types of negative character. He turns to the artists. Are you sure you got the right man? Your Highness, absolutely certain. There is no doubt. We went to the center of the Jewish camp. We were asked, asked for Moshe. And once we saw him, we had no doubt this was their great leader, Moses. The king is stunned. He turns to the scholars. You've never failed me before. He turns to the artists. You've never failed me before. Something doesn't add up. Saddle my horse. I'm going off to the Jewish camp. King races to the Jewish camp where he himself finds Moshe. And he asks to meet with Moshe. And he asks him, this may sound like what you Jews call chutzpah, but I don't get it. I understand. I know you are not liar, cheater, corrupt. That's not you. I just know the stories are true. And seeing you, just meeting you for the instant, it's evident you are the man of God. But Help me understand what my scholars see in this very accurate depiction. Now that I look at you in the depiction, my artist got it right. My scholars never let me down. Please teach me, Moses. Moshe tells the king, your scholars got it right. Impossible. No, 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 no. There's no greatness, says Moshe, in being born a tzaddik. If I was just born perfect, what's the big deal? My greatness is that I was born with all types of human failings, significant human failings, significant likelihood to fail, and yet I overcame. My greatness is in combating, conquering those negative tendencies, and that's what makes me the great Moshe. That sounds phenomenal, wonderful, beautiful, inspiring, but is false, said Rav Ruderman on multiple accounts. There is no such medrash. He could know there's no such medrash. 
He knew it conceptually and he knew it factually. And this is before computer scans verified that there's no such medrash. He simply knew it all. There's no such actual medrash in any of our classic works of medrash. But there can't be, he said, for two reasons. Number one, what we do have in all of our classic indications about the birth of Moshe is that with his birth, it was an aura of something special happening. What's described in Medrash as light, how literal or figurative, but the Hebrew English word aura, by the way, comes from the Hebrew word or, and aura and light are connected. But when he was born, his mother saw that he was tov, that he was good. The Torah records that. Let me ask you, is there any baby born that the mother doesn't look at him and say he's good? If the Torah is describing the mother saw he was tov, there's something objectively tov, objectively good. Whereas the first time the Torah uses the word tov, first time for any term is the way we understand the essence of that term. The very first time the word tov is used is in the first day of creation, when God said, let there be light, vayahi or, and there was light. And the or, God saw, was tov. The first tov is light. Moshe's birth brings light. Again, whether literal in the house or figurative or perception, but Moshe represents light. Light, wisdom, illumination, enlightening, the capacity to bring wisdom to the world. That is Moshe. He brings the Torah that is called Oraita in Aramaic. I believe it comes from the word light of Or. And Moshe represents the capacity to enlighten. He's, he is a unique personality in a very super positive way from birth. Yes, he's still a human being born from flesh and blood, parents, himself flesh and blood. He himself has to function like other human beings. Although, interestingly, he has the capacity to shift and live 40 days and 40 nights times a minimum of two or probably three on Mount Sinai without food and drink. He can straddle the world of man and the world of the angel. But lives a human life, dies human death, had the capacity for human error and failing, and he does. And the Torah criticizes him when he does, on his very lofty level, fall shy of his potential. But he's not corrupt, cheater, liar, thief, criminal. He is in the realm of tzaddik with some room for failings. Secondly, said Ravudaman, the fundament, fundament of how we understand Teshuvah and God's gift in giving us the capacity to overcome and change is that we have the ability to not simply no longer do bad, but to be a different person than the bad that was maybe our earlier experience. And had it been that he was initially corrupt and a liar and a cheater and thief and all types of negative tendencies, but if he absolutely overcame that, the process of teshuva would eliminate it from his core. What you would see in him is now the person who is now void of all of those failings. So the medrash is not accurate. But interestingly, there are works that reference this medrash. Just found this morning in the work Otsur Satora, another source that he quotes that actually references this medrash. They didn't recognize it to be inaccurate because Ultimately, whether the story in the Medrash is a story about Moshe or not, the theme that you can be great despite your failings, and the theme of Rudiman is reminding us, and you can be so great despite your failings that you can eliminate those failings and be a person of a different caliber. That's a reality. And that generally, being born righteous doesn't 
get you to the same place as overcoming. And in fact, in that work, Otsur Satori suggests that whether we go with this matter for the moment or not, that having some layers of failings more than Aaron had is what made Moshe the greater leader over Aaron, who was incredibly spiritually capable as well, and older than Moshe, but ultimately, perhaps even due to the fact that we find some aspects in Moshe in very rare and challenging situations, having an element of, of anger that he lost control over, and again, vis-a-vis his capacity is considered a failure, those show some element of human failing potential that has him be the ultimate greater leader uh, than Aaron in the fact that he generally is overcoming and living a life of incredibly, incredibly perfect spiritual nature. Being perfect, being born perfect, is, is not the way we operate. God doesn't need more angels. He made us human. And the goal is never to every moment say, okay, like, I have to be perfect or else. The goal is to say, how can I be better than X, Y, or Z? How can I be better than what I was doing yesterday? How can I overcome a temptation in the current situation? How can I strive to accomplish more in the current than I'm otherwise accomplishing? The goal is moving ourselves up a notch on the ladder. Perfection, don't deal with that. Deal with where am I and where can I get? If I'm having an issue with some type of a negative issue, temper, jealousy, whatever's weighing me down, how can I step up and away from that to a degree, in an instance, in one context? If I'm having a problem, I'll pick a, a, a simplistic example. Find myself getting caught up with gossip, schmoozing about people in ways I shouldn't be schmoozing, sharing negative information. Okay, so let me find, take one, as we call them, tackle steps, one step. Who are the people that when I'm schmoozing with them, I get myself into trouble with those type of conversations. I'm going to eliminate one social point of contact with that group once a week. Pick something measurable that I can say definitely. I'm going to avoid this situation. I'm not going to eat lunch with so-and-so this week and get myself into trouble. I'm going to find some way to take a measurable step to rid myself of that negative behavior. On the positive, I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to take on, become more charitable, quicker to let go, be able to be a little more expansive in what I give, a little more uh, broad-minded and, 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 and sensitive to others' others' needs and in tune to them. Okay, I'm not going from right now where I am, where I'm giving next to nothing to being the world's biggest philanthropist. But how can I be a little more open-hearted, sensitive to somebody else? How can I hear the story? Let, let me kind of rethink it for a moment. What would it feel like to be in their shoes? What would it feel like to be in that situation of somebody who's having trouble in an area that, for me, I can manage that financially? A little more sensitive. And you know what? Let me write a check and manage to get my hand to boost the number a little bit from what I'm writing typically. I have a hard time ever getting beyond the, uh, whatever, $18 range. Let me try writing that three so I can make it into a 36. Can't do that. Make it a two and make it a 25. Let me just start by, again, vis-a-vis, wherever it is I'm doing. I know I'm saying checks. Most of you don't even know what writing checks are anymore. Zelling, uh, PayPal, whatever that I'm going to be doing to send it over. Let me learn to type in one number that's a notch higher up and uh, expand myself. That's the goal. And the goal is not, okay, hey, God, you didn't make me perfect, so therefore it doesn't pay. No, it's because you didn't make me perfect. I have the capacity to be one who achieves. I I have the capacity to be special because I was born imperfect. 
I have a capacity to overcome those challenges. I have a capacity to accomplish in ways that I haven't heretofore in so doing achieve greatness. We do that one step at a time, one dedicated area of focus. And again, taking those type of steps that it's, it's measurable, meaningful, and ultimately heading myself in the right direction. That's how we grow. And taking this to heart, if we keep doing it, find the steps and talking to other contexts, big, big, big deal, finding some way to have an accountable system for that, keeping a chart. I'm telling somebody else about my new area of growth. You don't have to wait for a Shoshani Kipper to do such things. Little stories that we encounter around the year, like the story about Moshe, whether the story is actually true or not, but the concept that's being revealed that the commentaries are sharing, worth taking to heart. In so doing, we'll all become people moving up that ladder, heading up the right direction, and all be the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve our tachlis.